Go ahead and take your Bibles, go to Psalm 19. I'm going to look at Psalm 19. This is probably going to be a two-parter, honestly. Psalm 19. We find ourselves today in a day of great enlightenment, so we say. So much so that actually we find ourselves and our society questioning everything. It really is a postmodern thought that there is no truth, but it's one that we find ourselves in. Uh, people, like I said, just questioning every truth that there is, whatever it might be, wondering if there really is any, any truth at all. And so you might find yourselves in that position at times with people who question everything all the time, and it can be a difficult spot to be in. Don't get me wrong, we, we still have people in our society who try to live in the sphere of, say, like scientific truth or natural truth, but even these are often questioned and, and debated. And in our psalm today, Psalm 19, David brings to us truth, truth that is there, that is real, that we can hold on to, that we can believe in, that we can trust in. And one of the things that we see in this psalm, again, we won't be able to cover it all today, but we'll finish next week uh, together in Psalm 19 here, is we see a flow of thought that's happening here that goes from uh, creation drawing us to God. That's why we sing these songs about uh, creation and God being creator. But then the word of God revealing God to us, revealing himself to us, specifically through uh, Jesus Christ, who's the word made flesh. And then at the end of this psalm, what you'll see as I read it is David calls out for grace from this God, that God would impart grace in his life. And this really is the natural progression and one that's been planned out by God uh, through eternity. It's been planned before any creation ever was. This, this was the plan. This was the order of things, that creation would draw people in, but then the word of God reveals God to people who then, as they hear the word of God and they see God in creation, what they then do is the response is, please give me grace. Please pour grace out on me then. We see this even in Romans uh, chapter 10. I know I told you to go to Psalm 19 and we will get there, but on the screen it should be up there. Romans 10, verse 13 through 17, Paul would later uh, say this. He says, for everyone who, is, who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. We could spend a whole sermon on that, honestly. Uh, it's a verse that I read often at funerals because it's true. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. No exceptions. But Paul then goes on to say, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him in whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. So again, over the next two weeks, what we'll see is we'll see once again the beauty and the purpose of creation, uh, which is drawing us to God. We're going to see as well the perfection of the word of God, which is very important today. If you, if, you follow, if you follow culture at all, and if you follow Christian culture specifically, uh, you will see that many people are 
leaving, leaving the faith. Now, I don't know if that's exactly how they would declare it. They would say that maybe they're getting to like a more, a more real thing. But what they're doing is they're leaving the faith. They're starting to deny things of Scripture. And this is one of the things that they would deny, that the Word of God is perfect and pure. They don't like everything that the Bible has to say, and so they would rather pick and choose what it says. But there's a problem with that because the Bible itself declares itself to be perfect. And so what we have in this psalm is David saying that there is perfection in the Word of God, and it's perfect in revealing who we are, but also who God is and what he has done for us. And then I hope we will then fall in line with David at the end of this psalm, calling out for God's grace in our life, which we just read that God freely does give, right? As I read that in Romans, that's why I wanted to start on that. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. No exception in that. Notice there's no level of badness, right? There's no level of goodness in that sentence. It's whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so I hope you remember that this morning as we read Psalm 19. And really, we'll just look at the first Uh, Six verses this morning, but I want to read it all together. So follow along with me, beginning in verse 1. David would write, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tent for the sun which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber and like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens and its circuit to the end of them and there is nothing hidden from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, Enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned, and keeping them there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from my hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. As I said this morning, I really just want to focus on the first six verses the best we can. If you were here last week, you'll know that we were in Psalm 8. And when we were in Psalm 8 and reading Psalm 8 together, we saw that God shows us how much he loves us, and he does this with creation. And we talked last week about how God has given us as mankind creation to enjoy. It's something to enjoy. We talked about food, how there's different kinds, and it's for enjoyment, but also to fill us and to nourish us and to help us. God has created the world beautiful. He didn't have to do that, but he did. He created such beauty in the world, and we get to enjoy that as part of his creation Right? He, he's given us uh, flowers of, of all kinds, not just one flower, but all, all kinds of flowers or multiple types of trees, not just one tree. He's given us all these things, and it's for us to enjoy, and we see how much he loves us in this. And at night, we can look up into the sky, and we see the expanse. We see 
the moon and we see the stars. And Psalm 8 told us to enjoy these things. That's one of the purpose of creation, that we get to enjoy God in this. But here in Psalm 19, David says something a little different about creation because he says that creation actually had a purpose and that purpose is to draw all mankind to God, to know that there is a God. That is the purpose in creation. This was a, a little bit of what I was referencing earlier, talking about how in our day and age, everything is, is questioned all the time. All truth is, is questioned, and we doubt everything. And it's not uncommon to find people today who see creation, and what they see, I guess I could see it a couple ways, uh, there are some who see it as a beautiful accident. Right? It was just, it's an accident that happened, and we are here, but there is beauty in it, and it is great. There are others who see it as a tragic accident. Right? That, that's how they would view life. That's how they would view everything that is taking place. Now, there's no room for that in us as Christians. Uh, we don't have that anywhere in Scripture that this is a beautiful accident or that this is all a tragic accident. We also find people, though, in the world today, don't we, who just simply don't care. <laughs> they don't question. They're here. That's enough for them. Uh, they don't care about answers. They don't care necessarily about truth. They just survive. They just live. But again, we know that's not scriptural either. What we have in Psalm 19 is we have David using poetry here. He's not using scientific method. He's not doing that. What he's doing is he's using poetry, and he's using poetry to show us truth, to give us answers concerning creation and answers to the questions that we seek. And the, and the big point here, the big, the big picture is that all of this was created and it was created by an intelligent God who is using creation to draw you to him. That's the purpose of it. That's, that's the big picture of it is for you to be drawn to him. And so when David looked up into the sky, what he saw was he saw a declaration of the glory of God, he said. That's what he said. The heavens declare the glory of God. And so when, when he looked at maybe at night or during the day or whatever it might be, what, was, what, was, what he was being drawn to was, was God himself. Saying, look, this is the work of God. I dare say that's why whenever you find a people group, whenever you find a tribe, whenever you find anything, they all have creation stories. They all know that there is God somewhere. Now they're oftentimes off on who God is. <clears throat> and it would be unfair to say that creation should point them to Christ because that's not the purpose of creation. Creation points them to, to God. The word points them to Christ. That's why we need it all. And we'll get to the word, like I said, more next week. But what David saw when he saw this is he saw this greatness of God, how everything is working perfectly. Everything is, is flowing just as it is intended. All things going the speed they need to go, right? All things positioned where they need to be positioned. All, all things, the temperature or whatever it might need to be, exactly how it needed to be for life to be sustained. And what this does is it declares the handiwork of God. It declares a design. And with the design, there needs to be someone who designed it and who established it. And so that's what David is pointing us to here. And he, again, he does it poetically. That's, that's what he's using. But he, he says things like each day, day to day, there's a story being told. And it's a story being told by God. And this story is that there is a God sustaining and maintaining 
all of it. And so every day we wake up, and there the sun is again, unless you're one of those people who wake up for some reason before the sun. And I'm sorry that you live that life. But the sun comes up again, doesn't it? And every day when we go to bed, the sun has went down again. Every time the rain comes, we know that this is to provide, isn't it? It it provides drinking water for us. It provides nourishment for plants and for animals all over the world. You see, day to day is a story that is being told. The winds continue to whip just as they are supposed to. The oceans and the land continues to provide for us day in and day out. And so we have a story being told every single day of how good God is to us and that there is a God drawing us to himself. And David doesn't just talk about the day, but he says night to night reveals knowledge. So during the day we can see and we can know, but even night itself we can see only at night. Well, nowadays, because we have technology, even in the day we can see it. But during David's time, it took nighttime to see the stars. It took nighttime to get a grasp of the bigness of it all and the beauty of it all. And so at night we see this vastness of the universe and we get to lay our head down on our pillow with more knowledge than we had the day before. And what David says is very fascinating because the way he points this is this this drawing that God is doing of man is not just for particular men or women, but it, it stretches out over all of the earth. And so this is the case for all peoples of all time. They've had this story told to them. No matter, no matter their age, no matter your race, no matter your geographic location, God speaks to you through his creation, screaming out, here I am. Here I am. And so nobody is void of this. Now, this story is a little different again for everybody. See, where, where we live, if you, if you pay attention, you know, like yesterday. Yesterday was a gorgeous day. I don't know what you did yesterday. Some of you wasted your day watching football all day in your house. It was beautiful outside. Yeah, I'm looking at some of you. You've already talked to me about it. Yesterday was a gorgeous day. Man and I and the kids, we went to her dad's house. He lives on a lake. And even just to drive there really is beautiful. We went through towns like Blissfield and Adrian. And if you drove through any of those towns, you, you know what we saw. We saw corn, right? We saw bean fields, green. Some of the beans are starting to turn yellow, which that means hunting is coming on us. That's what that means. The sky was beautifully blue. There was a little breeze Right, You get to the lake, and it's just gorgeous there. And we could sit there and think that, man, this is a beautiful accident, but no, what, what God is doing in that for us in our area where we live as we get to see the beauty of where we live is God is telling us a story. And the story is saying, here I am. I have done this. You see now for Miss Alice, who shared in the back, her story would be a little different where she lives in Kenya. But yet where she lives in Kenya, she gets to look on the land and the people and the sky. God's telling her the same story to those people in Kenya. Here I am, the creator. You have been created. 
right? All of this has been created for a purpose, and the purpose is for you to know me. There's nobody that is void of this story. And that is one of David's points, as we see in verses 4 through 6. Because he says their voice goes out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. See, this is the voice of, of God going out and the story of God throughout all of creation. It's there for everybody. And he says it's a strong story. He says it comes out like a, he says in them he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber and like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens and its circuit to the end of them and there is nothing hidden from its heat. You look at something like the sun, which we're told not to look at, uh, actually, uh, with our eyes because of what it can do. But we look at something like the sun, and for us as mankind, that is not something we can tame. <laughs> that is not something we can handle. Uh, we've learned a lot about the sun. We've, we've learned a lot about its heat. Uh, we've learned how long it takes for its light to get to us. Uh, we know all of these uh, different things, but there is a fact of matter. We cannot contain it. We cannot maintain it. But what David says is God has built a structure for the sun so that the sun does exactly as God says each and every day. This is the power of God. Even Spencer talked about this as he, he speaks and light happens and light came forth. See, we, we can't do this. But yet God has created the sun for it to run its course perfectly every single day. Every single day. There it is. So much so that I can go to an app on my phone and it will tell me, Tim, tomorrow the sun will rise at this time and it'll set at this time, this exact time. And I can look at any day and it'll tell me the sun will rise here and, the sun will, and then it will set at this time. You see, it runs its course perfectly. Now, we have a problem with this because as people, we just simply do not do, not do well with monotony, do we? When stuff starts to get monotonous, we start to get bored. We start to get frustrated. We think we need a little spice in life or something. Yet this is exactly what is needed when it comes to the sun. We need it to be coming up again and setting again and coming up again and setting again. Because without it, without the sun, without the sun doing what it's supposed to do, what happens? Uh, we go bye-bye. That's what happens. There's no existence. There's no plants. There's no animals. There's no life. Nothing happens if the sun doesn't keep doing the same thing day in and day out. And David here poetically says that the sun bursts forth day in and day out like a bridegroom out of its chamber. Now again, to us, day in and day out is boring. Some of you struggle with your job. Why? Because it's day in and day out. Day in and day out. I do the same thing day in and day out. And what you start to think is, what is the point of my life? Don't you? Well, what if the sun did that? <laughs> if the sun did that, again, we're in trouble. And so there's something to this. And David says, the sun comes out like a bridegroom out of his chamber. Think about that for a second. How does the bridegroom come out of his chamber to approach his bride? Maybe not 40 years down the road. I'm talking wedding day time, okay? Wedding day time, how does that happen? It happens with great excitement. It happens with great anticipation. 
The groom comes out of his chamber and he's going to be escorted to the bride's chamber where he's going to then be able to marry his bride. And there's great excitement there and joy. This is happening. This is taking place. We are going to be married, right? I love her and she loves me. And this is how David describes the son every single day. And then he also describes it another way, doesn't he? He describes it like an athlete. He says, and like a strong man who runs its course with joy. All the preparation, all the planning. What is it for? It's for game day. It's for the day when I can play the game. All that sweat, all that hurt, all that struggle. Why? So that on game day we can go and we can perform. This is the sun every day rising again. Why? Because God is declaring to us, I am here. I am here. And God wants us to see the greatness of his creation. He set all of this up to work so that we again can know he is there. And not just that he's there, but as we saw in Psalm 8, that he cares for us. Yet, sadly, you know, just like I know, that many people do not see him. And they do not see him in creation. I want to read for you another passage out of Romans. It's Romans chapter 1, verse 18 to 32. It really is a difficult passage to read. Not because there's like big words in it or anything. Because it describes the ugliness of man. So in Romans 1, 18 to 32, let me read it. And we'll close looking at it. It says, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools, and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God... God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They're full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They're gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, and betters of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. You see, it's interesting to think that, I don't know, about 2,000 years ago, probably not quite 2,000 years ago, but about 2,000 years ago, Paul was writing this. 
He was writing this during his time on earth. Yet I dare say that as I read it, what you thought about was our society. You weren't thinking about Paul's society. You were thinking about our society. You were thinking probably about your neighbors or your coworkers who you feel I described as we read Romans 1, 18 to 32, right? Which makes it so applicable because Paul says God clearly has shown that he is there in creation. That's what he said. His, his invisible attributes are, are there. There's no excuse. They're there to be known. But you would not acknowledge him. You made carved images. You worshipped other gods. And so what happened? He gave you over to a debased mind. And as a result, we see the list of sin that was evident and took place. And it is hard not to think about our old culture because as we read Romans 1, we know that this is running rampant in our culture, even going so far to fall into the lie of homosexuality, denying gender, and a litany of other lies that we say today actually is righteous and good and loving. So you can see where that debased mind has just been handed over. Here you go, live in your filth. If you're going to deny me, then this is what's going to take place. Now, as we read a passage like that, and I said, you know, we, we, we think about maybe neighbors or maybe even family members or, I don't know, coworkers, whatever it might be. What tends to happen is it can come about where we start to get pretty angry. There can be an anger that starts to build up on the inside and a, and a rage that builds up on the inside because as we read Romans 1, 18 through 32, and we read that after reading Psalm 19, we can get so frustrated because we say these people are so stupid. Right? Maybe you've said that before. These people are so idiotic. How can they, how can they not see? How, how, can they, how can they say that it's all by accident? How, how can they... How can they not understand that God is the one in control of all this, that he's created them? He's created them in his image. How can, they, how can they just simply not understand that there is a God who loves them, that he sent his son to die for them so they could be forgiven of their sin? Why would they not come and worship him? Why would they not recognize that and, and praise him? The answer to that is God has to open their eyes to that truth. God has to be the one to help them to see that. God has to be the one to reveal himself to them. This is where we're going to go next week when we look at the word of God and how important the word of God is. And so hopefully you'll read ahead and do some studying on your own. But one of the things I want to remind you, and I need to be reminded of this as well, is when I read Romans 1, 18 through 32, I'm not just reading the story of my neighbors. I'm reading the story of Tim. I'm reading my own story. And I'm knowing that I am a sinner, that I am debased in mind, that I often chase after other gods, that I often seek the pleasure of Tim beyond the pleasure of serving and worshiping God. Again, our minds go to other people when we read passages like that, but we have to be careful not to do that because we have to be reminded that this is my story as well. I am guilty. I am a sinner. I oftentimes suppress the truth, and I oftentimes run towards other gods. The only difference between me and this that's being described 
is Jesus. That's it. That's it. <laughs> is I know Jesus. I know that Jesus has saved me, that he has forgiven me, that he, that he has shed and poured his grace out on me, and that because of him, I have his righteousness. And so when I read Romans 1, 18 through 32, as a believer, as someone who's trusted in Christ, now that is not my story. My, to, to, to understand my story, you need to get through Romans 3 and 4, okay? But this is still part of my story. I was a sinner, lost, deserving of hell, deserving of punishment. And if it wasn't for God opening my eyes to the truth, to understand who his son is, I would be just like that. And so what does that mean for us? What does that do for us? Well, this is what I think it should do for us. This is what I think God intends. Our hearts shouldn't get filled with anger and rage. Our, our hearts should break for the lost. Our hearts should break when we see our culture going in a direction that clearly is unscriptural. And what it should do is it should lead us to prayer. It should lead us to a place of prayer. Getting on our knees before God or maybe on our face before God. I don't know what posture you want to go in prayer. However you want. To say, God, nothing is going to change without your intervention. God, nothing is going to change unless you help them to see the truth. God, would you, would you help them to see the truth? You say, but Pastor Timmy, you told them that in create, you, you've said in Psalm 19, it says that in creation they can see. Yes, but I haven't read the rest, we, we haven't went through the rest of it to study it. They also need the word of God to reveal to them. You see, out in, out in the tribe who's never heard of Jesus, creation doesn't point them to Jesus. Creation points them to God. The word of God points them to Jesus. And you see, this is where God has allowed you and I to step in. God has allowed you and I as Christians to step into this, to be able to go and to proclaim the gospel to a lost and dying world. To be able to tell them that there is a God that loves them and they say, how could you say he loves me? And you can point to creation and say, look at this. This is because of him. You wouldn't have any of this if it wasn't for him. And then you can open the word of God and you can tell them about Jesus. Let me remind you of what we read at the very beginning. And this is how we're going to close. Remember what was said in Romans chapter 10, verse 13 and 17? For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? This is the same book that said his attributes are clearly seen in creation. But yet now Paul is saying, how then will they call on him whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear, what does it say? Without somebody preaching. And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. And as you get down to 17, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Church family, if we just sit back and we say, let the culture go to hell. They deserve it. Then we're not the church family we think we are. 
If we can just sit back and be so angry because they would put that on TV. If we can just sit back and be so angry and go, you know what the problem is? Public school. I hate public school. And we can just sit and lambaste and get so mad and angry and that's all we ever do? We are not the church that we've been called to be. Because Paul says, how are they to know unless somebody preaches to them? They're ignorant. They don't know any better. And it's our job as the church, as the kingdom of God, and it is our privilege to be able to step in and to say, we have the rest of the story. You see some of it in creation, but we have the rest of the story. The God who created all of this loves you. Don't you see it? And they say, but this world is messed up. Yeah, I have the story here. You know why it's messed up? Us. It wasn't intended that way. See, God created it perfect. But then man chose to sin and to rebel against God. And because of that, there's problems. But I have the rest of the story. God solved the problem. You can't solve it. God solved the problem. He, he solved it through his son, Jesus Christ, who came and he, he took the wrath of God for you that your sin deserves. He, he took it for you. He bore it on the cross. He, he died the death that you deserved and he was buried in the grave that you deserved. But I have the rest of the story. He rose again. You see, he conquered death, hell, and the grave because he was without sin. He, he wasn't messed up like you and me. And so he paid the price, really, unjustly. But now we can have perfect justice given to us through his blood, through his death. That's the story. And so God loves you. He's given you all this creation to love and enjoy. He's, he's given you his son so that you can be freed from your sin, so that you can be forgiven of your sin. And, and here's the best part. One day, Jesus, God's son, is coming again. And then we are going to be in a land with him that's perfect. No more of the mess-ups. No more hurricanes. No more, no more tornadoes. No more fire and flash floods. No more cancer. No more disease. No more struggle. It's not going to be there anymore. But the people of God will get to be with God forever and eternity in perfect harmony, worshiping God forever. Back in Eden again forever. That's the story. That's the story that you and I have the privilege of being able to tell to people. And the great news is this. For some 2,000 years, since Christ went and ascended on high, God has continued to open the eyes of the blind. You say, Pastor Tim, are you sure? I'm positive because I'm talking to a bunch of people who used to be blind. I'm positive. And you're here. And you're listening. And I used to be blind. But God in his great grace opened our eyes to the truth, did he not? And we believed. And we trusted. And we continue to learn each day more about God. And, and day to day we learn more. Night to night brings knowledge for us. Why? Because God continues to sustain us. He continues to teach us. He continues to love us. If you're a guest here, that's why we at Monroe Missionary Baptist Church, that's why we gather here on Sunday mornings. We gather here on Sunday mornings not to do anything crazy. We, we gather here to worship the God 
who has loved us so much that he would send his son to die for us. That's why we're here. Nothing else. There's, there's no other reason why to gather here but, but that. I hope you sense that. I hope you see that. I hope from the word of God this morning you maybe understand that a little better this morning. Church family, our world is in a rough spot. Don't get me wrong. But God says you are a light on a hill that can't be hidden. And we're called to go and to, to do that, to, to be that light. And we do that by worshiping him. We do that by praising him. We do that by honoring him with our life. We do that, you worker who thinks the monotony of your job is so dumb and boring. You honor God in doing that day in and day out. Be a light there. Keep doing it to the glory of God. Do it with joy in your heart, knowing this is what God has for me. Honor him in your life. Trust in him. Pray that God will open the eyes of the blind around you. Pray that God will save your family, your co-workers, your neighbor. And pray that God maybe would just use you to be the one to go and to share with them the truth of the gospel. And that you would have the boldness to do it faithfully. We're going to bow together and pray. So if everybody would close their eyes. We're going to sing a song in a moment. Pastor Dave, I hope it's not a problem. Can you sing How Great Thou Art again? hope that's not too big of a problem. But I hope that as we sing this song again, we've already sang it once, How Great Thou Art. I want you to hear the words and to know that we do serve a great God who's worthy of our praise and our adoration. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for creation, how it points us to you. We thank you that you have revealed yourself through your son, Jesus Christ, who would die for our sins. And God, we praise you because of him. God, I pray for that person here this morning, whoever that may be, who's just unsure. Maybe they, they walked in here today just thinking, I don't know if there is truth. I, I, don't, I don't know everything about this world and what it says. God, I, I pray that just maybe today through your word and through the preaching of your word that you would open their eyes that there is truth and it's found in you and only in you. God, help us as Christians not to be haughty, not to be people just filled with anger and rage all the time, but to be people of compassion, people of grace, to be people who have a broken heart over the sin of this world and the lostness of this world, but to understand that, God, you sent Jesus to save this world. And anyone who calls on his name will be saved. God, I pray that we would believe in that, that we would trust that. Yes, there will be those who shun us. There will be those who don't like what are, what's being said, and that's okay. Because, God, your word tells us that there will be those who will trust in Jesus, who you will save, who will become our brothers and our sisters in the Lord. And, God, this is the case all over the world. You've placed us here in Monroe in this little spot, this little part of the earth. But God, I'm thankful to know that there are churches all over the world preaching the gospel, sharing the gospel, and you are saving souls all over. God, we look forward to the day when you would return. We look forward to the day when we get to be with you where we don't have any more pain. We don't, we don't have any more, more struggle, no more, no more hurt at all emotionally, physically, spiritually, where we get to be with you in the new heavens and the new earth where 
everything is perfect as it was meant to be, and we get to dine with you, eat with you, we get to worship you. God, we pray that that day would come soon. But until then, help us to be faithful, faithful children, serving our Father as we're called to do. God, as we sing this song again, I know it's odd to sing it twice, but I just pray that we'd reflect on the words, that we'd worship you in it, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.